Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Our answer will be yes. Our answer will be yes. Amen. Church, take a seat. Thank you, team. And <laughs> where's Byron? Wave, Byron. I can't see properly, right? I've got my glass. Those shoes, Byron. I mean, seriously, right? Those shoes. Tonight's about shoes, people, okay? And I noticed you've got that run, which comes off Run DMC um, for that as well. But uh, I'm Sonia, for those people who don't know me, and it's fantastic to be here tonight with you all, and I really look forward to just sharing my heart and something that God's put on my heart for tonight. And uh, recently, Jeremiah, well, actually, I think it was last Sunday, to be honest, Jeremiah, who's... 14. Um, we went to my parents' house and they had some Japanese students with them. And so we're sitting in mum and dad's lounge room. You know, it's one of those awkward things that parents do when they put you in a lounge room and expect you to talk to these people that you don't know. And so we were totally doing that. And um, Jeremiah just goes, oh, so tell me about your sneakers. Tell me about your shoes. Oh, straight away. The conversation's happening, right? They've got this thing that crosses all boundaries, country, culture, to talk about shoes. What shoes have you got? Oh, I like these shoes. And suddenly I'm sitting there in this space and going, that's actually pretty funny. Because how did sneakers become a symbol of status? How did sneakers actually even become a culture, right? How did that happen? And I was thinking about... And just looking through, because I remembered hearing some things recently about sneaker culture. And, you know, this all started back when Michael Jordan signed with Nike. And he did this deal with Nike back in, uh, I think it was uh, 1984, I think it was. And do you know, every year since, Nike has brought out a new set of Air Jordans. That does not include, so there's 37 at the moment in total, just for the new model, okay? And then on top of that, every year, there are colourway versions and there are also retro versions. So this year, by spring, in 2023, there's going to be another 16 pairs that will be um, released, okay? And then, of course, oh, because you all know we become grandparents this year, and I just totally couldn't help it, but these are Nathaniel's little Air Jordans, right, that he's now got, because it's not just for teenagers and young people, it's for babies right through to adults. But it's like, how did this happen? That sneakers became a whole culture in themselves. In America, a multi-billion dollar, as a matter of fact, business. And CNN said that it has long shaped the way that we think about sports, music and fashion. And today, the sneakers that we choose to wear define who we are as a people. Everybody look at your shoes. I was tempted to wear my thongs, okay? But let me tell you, that's this incredible... That's why, like, you know, Byron, I was like, I think they might be Crocs, are they? <laughs> Don't even know what that is, right? But that's awesome. <laughs> now, Romans um, chapter 10, verses uh, 14 to 17 says, But how can they call him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? 
And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes by hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Here in this passage, we see that Paul is writing to the Romans. These are new Christian people, um, you know, because he'd actually been focusing on preaching the word around Rome for about 10 years at this point. And these were people who had known what it was to live life. They were sailors, they were well-traveled tradesmen, they were wealthy business people. But then, of course, there was the slaves that were with them. And if you know a little bit about the book of Romans, we also see in Romans some of the most comprehensive verses in the Bible that talk about the gospel message. Some you may know, like Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Or of course, Romans 10.9 which also talks about if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And in verse 15 of what I read out before, we see that Paul's actually making a reference when he's talking about the feet of the messengers. He's making a reference to a quote from Isaiah 52 verse 7 where it says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that God of Israel reigns. Now, most of us probably know that in Bible times they wore sandals. And even now people reference them. If I need to change this, somebody needs to let me know. Um, People reference them as... Jesus sandals. Has anyone got Jesus sandals on? Are they going to turn this one off? Yes. Has anyone got Jesus sandals on? Maybe you don't want to admit it, but oh, we have a taker to my left. I'm not going to point the person out. (laughs) You know, and we, we know that they wore sandals. They were totally just made out of leather. They had thick soles. And do you know they actually used to put bits of rock underneath it and wrap the leather around it that that was like, um, would give them traction and they would tie those leather straps right up their foot and up their legs. Now, I'm pretty sure they never had a new version coming out every year. And you also might want to give thought probably to the Israelites because in relation to their actual footwear, the Bible says that for 40 years they wandered in the desert and what happened to their clothes and shoes? They didn't wear out. So what they went into that desert with, they stayed with for 40 years. So let's hope that, you know, when you went out there, you liked the shoes and clothes that you had on. But now we look at this passage from Isaiah and say to ourselves, how in the world can someone say that feet are beautiful? How can someone say that? Now, there's somebody in my family who has a real thing about feet don't, don't talk about feet. Actually, there's a couple of people in my family that have like, you know, it's nearly like a phobia about feet. And you think about it and you go, how can feet be called beautiful? 
because they would have been filled with dirt under the toenails, grimy parts on their feet, chunked up and totally disgusting, right? But yet the Bible tells us that those feet of the messengers, that they carried a message that was good news. That message that those people carried was a message of peace and a message of salvation. So it's not really necessarily about the feet, right? I know, but you know, I was actually, I go, it's so random this week, Lord, because I was even watching, I don't know if I should confess it, but I watched just a little bit of a Jimmy Fallon interview and he had the actor, Adam Driver, on there who is the star for the new movie 65 that's out at the moment. Guess what they start talking about? Shoes. They start talking about Air Jordans and how the first thing that he, when he got paid for the first time, what he did was, this was um, Adam Driver, he took that money because he was so excited and he went and he bought a pair of Air Jordans. Guess what's happened to those Air Jordans since he purchased them all those years ago? They have sat in a cupboard collecting dust and he has never worn them once. See, now, sometimes our life can be a bit like that. We sit some things in the cupboard and they collect dust and we ever na- never actually use them what they're meant for. And we see that in Romans chapter 10, those verses 14 to 17, we see from Paul that there is this domino effect of what he's talking about. And if we just get up there, because what he says is, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Can you see the domino? For someone to call, they need to believe, they need to hear, Someone needs to tell and someone needs to be sent. I love it because we see it summed up in Romans 10, 17, where this is so easily said, where Paul says, so faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Believing depends on hearing is what we see in this passage. And when we look at that word heard or hearing, we, it comes with the understanding and the recognition that it's actually significant because people need to hear in a way that they realise they need to make a response. So it's not just hearing for the sake of hearing and, you know, selective hearing. It's not that. Okay, it's when someone hears the gospel message in a way that they suddenly realise, I actually need to make a decision on what I have just heard. When they hear the good news of Christ, when they hear the gospel message. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how do I sum up the gospel message? People talk about it, good news. We can get language in church that sometimes we actually even get totally used to hearing that language, but then sort of maybe stumble over some bits and go, okay, so if someone was to say to you, could you please share with me the gospel message or the good news, what would you say? 
How would you sum that up to them? And I know for myself, one of the great things that I really saw is that Paul gives us this fantastic little summary of what the good news is, of what the gospel message is in 1 Corinthians 15. And he says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. What is it? Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. First of all, I want to note here that what Paul says is, at the beginning he said, I passed on to you what was most important. And then he gives the gospel message. Then he gives the good news. See, there is a message that we have that is more important than every other message that we have. There is a message that is at the core of every message that comes from the Bible. And that is the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he, wrote, that he was buried, that he rose again, and that because he rose again, we can live a new life. That's the most important thing. The gospel message is always the most important message. The actual message of Jesus' death, of his burial and of his resurrection. It is the good news of peace and salvation that people need to hear. Our feet are to be actively bringing us to places where we share that gospel message. I'm not an evangelist, but I know that Jesus has changed my life. I don't have some great boldness over me. Sometimes I have had, but my mum usually leads the way and I follow her. (laughs) But you know, I've been transformed by Jesus. I went to see an osteopath this week and I was hoping to get into the Christian guy, right? But he didn't have any appointments. So I got some other guys, 25, and I knew I felt like his mum when I was in there, right? And he's treating me like his mum. And then he's like, oh, so what do you do, Sonia? I said, well, actually, I'm a chaplain out at the university at Western Sydney Uni and pastor at the church. And he's like, oh, wow, okay. So why do you do that? Oh, well, actually, it's because Jesus has changed my life. And that's what he does. Now, my original plan that I was just going to get into this guy and then change over to the other one, and I thought, no, I'm not doing that. That guy knows Jesus. I'm going to keep going to this one guy, just one step at a time as I go right and go, that's fine, that cost me $95 a time to share the gospel. It's okay, right? (laughs) But Jesus has changed my life. Have you known that transforming power of Jesus in your own life? If you haven't, you can start that journey and make that decision tonight. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, this is the thing we hear often is that, you know, we live in this life, we want to be who Jesus is. We want to be Jesus in our community, in our families, in the places that we're in. We want to be and act like Jesus, all right? 
We actually want to act like Jesus when we're outside of the church walls, not just because you're in church on Sunday. But we cannot be limited to just acting like Jesus. We also need to preach the word. It is works and it is the gospel. It is words. We must do both. One does not supersede the other. We need both. We have to have both of those things. And I think sometimes we find it easier, and especially I think in our culture now, because good deeds and doing justice and kindness, and these things are all well celebrated in our culture. But do you know what? We don't do it just to be a good person. We don't do it And unless somebody sees and actually then starts to hear us sharing a gospel message, they might just think it's because we're a good person. And so I love it out at the union. That's only just started in the last few weeks, but there's one gentleman there and he has got a scholarship here in Australia for 12 months. He's from China and he has brought his eight-year-old daughter with him. And what I love is that through people at church and through Westcare, he has been given a bed, dining table, fridge, I think a lounge, and then kudos to Ben Morley, who just gave him his car. Right? The thing is, this is the body of Christ doing the works. That's fantastic. But he has to hear the word. He's got to hear the gospel. So I've already started talking to him. So I'm hoping you'll see him here soon, right? So, but the thing is, the church serves, we serve people, we sacrifice, we give, we do those things because God also calls and requires us to do that. But it is not limited to that. And many people have attributed that famous quote. They often say that it's Francis of Assisi that says it, but it doesn't seem as though it is. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. I can't say that that's actually fully correct because we need to preach with our works and with our words. We need to have those actions for us. Both points are true. We do the works and we do the word. Jesus is our king. And what he has called us to is to do the works and the word together. And people need to see that. That's what his cause is. And too often we have limited preaching the gospel to standing up here on a Sunday. I can't preach the gospel. I can't do that. Because we only see preaching the gospel as getting up in church and preaching. But actually in Romans 10, 15 there, to preach means to announce. So you can be preaching to your friends, to your family, to people that you meet in the streets. You can make an announcement to them about the gospel. I love it because in John chapter 9, we see this fantastically brilliant story that actually goes from verse 1 through to 38, and we won't be reading all of that, but I will summarise it. So this guy in John chapter 1 is born blind, and, the, and he, you know, he's calling out to Jesus, and the disciples are trying to, you know, they're going, is he blind, Jesus, because he sinned, or is he blind because his parents sinned? They're worried about that more so, right? Not with Jesus, though. What does he do? Very unconventional. 
spits in the ground, makes a bit of mud, rubs it in his eye sockets, balls, I don't know, whatever was there, right? As you do, right, to somebody when you see them. And we go, this is what Jesus did. And then he tells him, go down to the pool of Shiloh and wash there. So this blind guy does this. And then what happens is the Pharisees, they can't believe it. So they come up to him and they're like, what happened? Tell us your story. And he says, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. That's how much he knew, right? Was that. The Pharisees couldn't believe it when you keep going in the chapter. And then he can't, they come back to him again and they say to him like, okay, so who do you think he is? And the guy goes, well, uh, I think maybe he's a prophet. This guy, all he knows is I was blind, he did some mud, put in my eyes, went and did what he said, and now I can see. Possibly maybe he's a prophet. They still couldn't believe what happened. So they then go and get the blind guy's parents. Can you tell us please what happened? And they were freaking out and they're like, actually, he can speak for himself. Just throw him out there, right, under the bus. And so they do this, they go back to him again. And he says to them in John 9, 27, look, the man explained, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? So basically we get this blind guy and he doesn't know a whole lot. What he does know is that Jesus healed him and possibly he's a prophet. You don't always have to know a whole lot to talk to people. Because, you know, inwards, if we've got faith, it should come out in our confession. It should come out in our words. But we're too busy worrying about, I don't know what to say. What if they ask a question that I don't know how to answer? I haven't been a Christian for long enough. Actually, I'm sort of living a bit of a pathetic life behind the scenes. I'm not an evangelist or I'm not confident to speak. Or how do I start a conversation? That's usually my thing. I stand there thinking, I know I want to say something, but I don't know how I'm going to say it. What's going to be the first thing that I'm going to say to that person? How do I get this out? That's just what happens, right? Now, when I was thinking about the feet and shoes, I go, the thing is, there are all different types of shoes, aren't there? There's all different types of shoes. And there are all different types of people. There are all different types and ways that we're going to share the gospel, that we're going to reach out to people. I looked and I was thinking, I was actually thinking about Pastor Alison. She wears the most phenomenal heels out, which I don't think she can wear anymore, but she does, right? Amazing heels that I go, wow, I would be like those people on the catwalk that start wobbling around everywhere and crash on the catwalk if I was to wear those. And then I was thinking, one of... Family members says to us that it's a crime if you wear your Ugg boots. These are my Ugg boots from home, right? It's a crime if you wear your Ugg boots out of the house. And I go, to be honest, I've been so tempted to wear these out of the house just because they're so comfortable for me. And then I was also thinking about the McClements. I mean, they're a bit of a shoe family, I think, isn't it? Has anyone noticed that? You, you, You take notice, right? Now, Ryan 
has his shoes on tonight that are personally designed by Ryan, okay? He got money for his birthday from all his friends, so have a look at his shoes after this. And then last but not least, I remember a few years ago, Nathan, this is why I was wondering if you were going to be in church tonight, because before a service one day in church, Nathan was walking around and he had some slides on. That's okay. But he had socks on with the slides. Now, to me, that's what my mum would wear, right? <laughs> Do you remember this, Nathan? Yeah. And I said to Nathan, I hope you're not hosting tonight, coming up on the stage like he did tonight and welcome everyone. Guess what he was doing? He was hosting in slides and socks and I'm like, I can't believe that's even okay now, right? But regardless of your preference... Let's be like Paul when he says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everybody who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. See, this is the thing. The strength of the gospel is not defined by you. The gospel message is defined by Jesus. It's defined by the work that he did, not always necessarily how you fumbled through it or how you didn't know what to say or the conversation was cut short. It's not defined by you. But that passage there tells us, it says God can work and really what we can see is that God can work through everything because this good news about Christ in verse 16, it is the power of God at work. God has called us, he has sent us to preach the gospel to people. Not to determine what happens with it once we do it. Because he works in people's life. It's up to him. You plant one seed. So despite your failures, despite all the times that you've tried to say something and you've totally messed it up, doesn't matter because God is still at work in that because this is for our king and this is his cause. And if you missed this morning's message, by the way, Pastor Mitch absolutely nailed that message this morning. And so if we can just put Romans 10 back up on the screen and what we're going to do for a moment is we're going to reverse the passage because what we see down the bottom is that God sends out his servants They preach the good news of salvation. Then people hear God's offer of life in Christ. Some people come who hear to believe the message and those who believe the message call on the name of the Lord and those who call on him are saved. So actually we're the key part here in conjunction with that message. We need to speak and to preach the good news. Uh, probably about this time last year, one of the students that I had met, um, a lot of people here know her now, uh, met at the university. She's a Chinese student here. And just in January this year, we had a coffee together and she said to me, Sonia, how will people in China hear about Jesus? That's right. She's saying, how are they going to hear about Jesus? And I said, just maybe, Rachel, God brought you here from China to us at the university so that you can hear the gospel message 
you can get to know him. And then you go back to China and you bring the gospel message to them. And you know, that's what God's doing for us. He's opening up places. So make sure that you're looking over at the university. It's just becoming amazing for us. I see it as our missions training school. They just, the first step is they have to actually get to know Jesus. That sort of helps. Um, You know, but I'm just going to go down to 2 Corinthians 5.20. I love it here because it says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. When we do what? When we plead to people, come back to God, come to God. You've got to hear this gospel message. We implore you. We appeal to you. We plead to people. Think about this for a moment as well. When we share the gospel message with someone, we are speaking for Christ. We are the ones who are sent so that people can hear and believe. And the question for all of us is what are we doing about it? What am I doing about it? What are you doing about it? It is the greatest privilege and also responsibility of our life to have beautiful feet that go out to a lost and to a dying world. This is what God has called us to not necessarily to do some huge campaign where we always invite friends. Do those things. Go for it. But what about in between now and then? What about those people that you meet and they look great on the outside and maybe you think they don't need anything? They need the gospel message. People who are down and out, they need the gospel message. Regardless of who people are, everybody needs that gospel message. So I'm just going to ask everyone to stand up now if the team would like to come. Nathan mentioned tonight as an example that we've got Easter in four weeks. It feels like Easter's been here for a while already because they've put everything out in the shops, right? In January, I think they started. But let's not miss the magic opportunity. Magic's probably not the right word, but the fantastic opportunity for Easter because people are more open at coming at times of celebration and religious times and what they're going to come and hear is a gospel message they're going to come and hear about there's a saviour who loves them and they're to give their life for the king and for his cause so I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to ask everyone to just lift your hands, just stand before the Lord. If you haven't lifted them before, that's fine. Tonight's a good night to start. Holy Spirit, I ask you now to drop a name into each of our hearts of somebody that you want us to preach a gospel message to. Our hearts are open now. Go with whatever name just dropped in your mind. Might be somebody that you haven't spoken to for a long time. Might be some random person that you know off Facebook. Might be a family member that you've tried before or they don't want to hear. 
And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but Holy Spirit, it's the power of God at work over that word as we preach the gospel message to people this week. It's the power of God that'll change people's lives, that'll transform them. And Father, I pray that as we step out in faith over this week, that as we reach out to those people, as we begin to pray for them, as we set our hearts and minds for those people, Holy Spirit, you're going to do a miracle. I believe, Holy Spirit, that even there's going to be days and times when we see in the Bible when uh, Philip was running upside with the, the chariot with a eunuch and the eunuch's reading passages of Scripture and he says to him, I, I don't understand, what am I reading? And he gets to share the word with him and then straight away gets baptised. And Lord, I think about my own family and friends. And I think about on the 26th of March, there's water baptism here. And Lord, I so desire and look forward to a day where I see them in that place confessing you as their Lord and Saviour. And could it be, God, that I have some responsibility in that by preaching a gospel message to them? Holy Spirit, I pray that over everybody where there is fear that would try to stop them, where there maybe is just slackness because in some respects you can't be bothered, where there's distractions that will try to make them not happen. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would nudge us all this week in that direction. And I thank you, Father, that we will join too with Paul and say that we are not ashamed of this good news. We are not ashamed of the gospel, that we will live it in our day-to-day life, in works, but also in word. And I thank you for that tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.